Welcome to the Fergus Falls Business Spotlight Podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into local businesses and the individuals that run our community. To guide you along the way, here's your host, Jacob Bittner. Welcome back to another episode. I have a great guest today. My guest is Emily McCune. It's I, I had to get that pronunciation right. Sorry for mixing that up. Um, she has studied cannabis medicine, healthcare, and agriculture at the University of Wisconsin in Platteville, um, as well as holds a co- cottage baker's license. Correct. So we've got the Betty Crocker of cannabis here. Some would, some would, some say. would say, right? So some would say. It, I am very interested in this conversation. I have to say I didn't expect this to um, come up as a conversation I would have on this podcast, especially so soon. But we've got great timing here. We have a lot happening with the Ottertail County Ordinance. And um, I'm really interested in just getting to know more, first of all, more about your story and your background, how you're fitting into Ottertail County, how you came to be and why you're here doing this as opposed to going somewhere else. Because it seems like that would be, that's like kind of the first question I have. But um, let's just get your background a little bit about where you grew up. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I've lived in Fergus Falls for 12 years now. Um, I've lived a lot of places in the country, but my home state is California. I was born and raised in Riverside, California. Uh, then did a little time in the Midwest and uh, joined the military after high school, bounced around for a while. Uh, but officially now, Fergus Falls is the longest I have ever lived in one stationary place before. Fun fact. Okay, so what brought you here originally then? Yeah, I moved here in 2011 uh, to be a nanny for my nephew. Uh, My uh, ex-former brother-in-law was from Wapaton, so there was a little bit of uh, familial uh, connection there. I had been living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for six years. Again, just sort of going out, going about life, um, popping around. And I moved here to, yeah, when I was 30, to be a nanny for my nephew, who's 14 now, of course. Okay. Um, And then... What brought you out to study this field? What sure. got you interested in this first? I'm guessing you were just, you maybe grew up around that industry. Yeah. No, I'll lay it or... on you, man. I'll lay, I'll lay it on you. No, the answer to that is no. Uh, I didn't really start getting an influence in cannabis until I met my father when I was 17. Oh, okay. okay. And he's living in the, in the East Bay of California, San Francisco East Bay. Um, he's a cultivator and has been growing cannabis for decades. Uh, but I did not grow up around that. I grew up on my mom's side. There was no influence there. Uh, but the condensed and Cliff's Notes version, if you will, of the answer to that question would be um, in, in, in the spring of 2019, I got sober from drugs and alcohol um, after battling a lifetime of addiction problems and mental health issues and self-medicating and Um, you know, I don't know how candid you want me to be here or not, but a lot of drug use, a lot of crack, cocaine, uh, um, opiates, you know, I Mm -hmm. fell victim just like so many others have in this nation to the opioid Mm -hmm. crisis. For me, most of that was in the, in the East coast. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not fall back into that when I moved to Fergus Falls, but the alcohol really got me. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I got sober. Okay. Uh, I was assigned a new healthcare practitioner who diagnosed me with PTSD, Um, I began therapy, trauma therapy, just sort of started unpacking a lot of things. And that's when I 
I had really, really wanted to prevent taking pharmaceutical drugs to treat my mental illnesses. So if I, I'm understanding, cannabis for you was never really like, you had earlier in your life other vices. Oh, sure. And cannabis was more of a true recovery tool. Well, correct. And you know, something that I love to... sharing with others, you know, is right. that when I was in what we call active addiction, when I was in active addiction, I never used cannabis. The only time I used cannabis was when I would take periodical bouts of time where I would abstain from certain drugs, which is something that I legit have done in my life. I'm 41, you know, I've got my 20s, my third, we're talking a couple decades here of this. You know, I never smoked herb as a way of like getting messed up. It was always like a peaceful, serene enhancing, uplifting sort of vibe that I would introduce into my life if I was, let's say, abstaining from alcohol, right. which I've done before. So let's, um, and I don't want to, if you, yes. let's move on and yeah. talk about then how did you get into, when was the University of Wisconsin? Right, yeah. When yep. did that, like, when did that start? When did this cottage baker's license, how did, yeah. how did that order fall into place as to post, and then your first branding, you guys rebranded the store, but. Yep. First, University of Wisconsin, cottage baker's license. Sure. So it, it began by becoming a registered medical marijuana patient is the short answer to that initial question. Mm -hmm. That's when everything changed for me. That's when all these wheels started spinning. And that Once was here I, in Minnesota? Here in Minnesota. And I what, was, when did the medical, when did Minnesota start medical 2014. marijuana? 2014. In 2014. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, and I was unaware that they had medical cannabis. My practitioner offered it to me and I tried and wow, I'm, I've been off pharmaceuticals for three and a half years. Okay. SSRIs and benzos. So... Um, I had just decided I wanted to, it was kind of expensive at the medical dispensary. So I decided I wanted to try and make a batch of in, uh, infused cannabis butter. Like I had learned back when I was 19 or 20. That was when I did some research. I got on the phone. I made phone calls to the Minnesota department of ag to find out if I could make hemp edibles as a cottage baker. That was before you went to school for Correct. any of this? Yep. Okay, so you yep. got your got cottage baker's license the first, first. in the trajectory was okay. I got my cottage baking license. I did non-cannabis and cannabis, lots of CBD, Delta 8, things that are federally legal since 2018. Right. Okay, that went over so well that I would do pop-up bakeries, this and that. And then um, it just sort of organically happened. I started realizing that people were reaching out to me for advice and seeking out recommendations of cannabis, pro because I was so vocal and outspoken about right. it in the community and uh when that started happening i realized you know what i i would i wonder if they have any academia for this topic it's so new and novel you know and there 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 it was you know i i found out all the information it's a host institution for a company called greenflower media they're the ones that put all the programming on at uwp okay. it's all online um and so i signed up for that first yeah uh, that first program uh in 2020, during COVID, okay. the peak of COVID, during 2021, and then I graduated in early 22, okay. and that it was at that point that the things started changing and the consultations and the storefront started right. taking shape. So, what then, I know something happened in July, I don't fully understand it, but it was kind of a, like a loophole bill that sort of fast-tracked Minnesota's ability to sell um, THC, hemp-derived THC edibles, yeah. as opposed to, and we'll get into the difference, there's a difference I'm learning, between the hemp-derived and yeah. then like the 
stuff you'd get out in Colorado sure. that's like full blown marijuana THC, he- like heavier THC sure. derived. Um, what was that law then in Minnesota that opened up the opportunity for you guys to rebrand into Sugar High and start selling? A little bit more of these hemp derived products yep so that's a really commonly asked question and it's also very grossly misunderstood okay. what that legislation did um so the basic answer is that 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 legislation that took effect in july of 22 in minnesota did not legalize any substance that has not already been legal since 2018 with the farm bill that federally legalized hemp and all of its derivatives okay, okay. so <laughs> From the beginning, when I started, I wrote my business plan for my storefront dispensary in March of 2022. Okay, that's when I began the process of of rebranding from my cottage bakery to a retail storefront dispensary. Okay. Okay. There's so much misunderstanding with that. People just hear buzzwords in society and make assumptions. That's just what we're dealing with here. So already we were going to sell Delta 9 edibles. And beverages, anything that we could get our hands on that was a hemp derivative. Mm. There were no dosing caps or regulations. Right. It was kind of a like a wild, wild west Well, and thing. That's, that's one of the things we're going to get into with the ordinance sure. here. And that's one of the reasons why I think that the county felt the need to roll out this ordinance and mm. present this on is because it's happening in a way that isn't regulated. Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to – it's also interesting you guys, that you have a whole team of certified um, – Cannabis caregivers. caregivers consultants. And that's not something that you're required to do. So there's a whole bunch of things that need to be regulated Mm -hmm. in the industry here here in Otter Hill County Mm -hmm. as well as statewide. Mm -hmm. And I think that the ordinance, from my understanding, a little bit of research I did was sort of the way of saying, pump the brakes. We need to figure out some guidelines, some to place on the sales of these things and how we're going to roll them out and regulate them within our community. Um, I think it's really interesting that you guys have kind of been on the forefront of that getting certified and making sure that whatever regulations they do put in place, it seems like you're ready for Mm -hmm. them or prepared for them. So a little bit of background about your shop and you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of this stuff. This is just sort of what I prepared from your website, summarizing it here a little bit. Cannabis retail and consulting business here in Fergus Falls, specializing in hemp-derived cannabis products, which is hemp-derived meaning not, it's like, it's a bad analogy here. You can explain it in a better way, but it's like a 3-2 beer, but not. Mm -hmm. I've heard that used before. (laughs) Uh, the, the, The fast and loose easy answer is, the only discernible difference and the, 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 the discerning factor rather between what constitutes something as hemp or constitutes it as marijuana lies solely in what percentage of the dry plant matter in weight is comprised of Delta 9 THC. Okay. So in the umbrella of cannabis, there's either hemp or marijuana. So whereas an, an edible that I would that I would have maybe got out in Colorado, mm-hmm. my days living out west would have been made with like a flour for, with like a 20% or Yeah, a marijuana-derived right. gummy. That's and, what and, that is. And what they're buying on the shelves, what they're buying on the shelves in your store currently is derived from 3%, less than 3%? It's derived from hemp. Hemp, hemp is do- cultivated massively, massively differently than marijuana. Okay. Okay. okay, so what we're dealing with is hemp only in Minnesota. Okay. Hemp is federally legal and protected, and uh, therefore, it's available and legal to distribute or manufacture, you know, in any state because it's protected as under federal law. 
But it doesn't, it also doesn't really, it has different effects as well. Oh, sure. Like completely different effects sure, sure. On, on the way. So there, the, obviously Minnesota legislation right now is proposing or batting around. I know it's already had a couple sessions. Mm-hmm. It's currently right now um, going through Senate and hearings and all that right now. So I think that within a couple months, I would be thinking that we're going to see some type of a marijuana legalization here in um, Minnesota. We think by May. By May. It'll so be signed. It, um, I'm interested to see um, how Auto Trail County does decide to approach that. And what, um, I guess, tell me a little bit more about this ordinance. What sure. does it mean for you guys? Um, and actually, yeah. Tell me first, tell me a little bit of ordinance. What is it going to do for you guys here? Because it's February 1st, right? Or is it, is that right? Actually, the, the ordinance codes went into effect on Sunday, January 22nd. January 22nd. Yes, okay. last Sunday. Okay. Is when, when in Fergus Falls, our city ordinance took effect. You're yeah. right. The county-wide moratorium, um, that is what I, one thing we're talking about. Because we're talking about two different things here. City, The city of Fergus Falls newly imposed ordinance, which regulates the selling of THC edibles and beverages from hemp only. You're right. There's going to be a whole new set of challenges post-legalization. But we can talk about that later. Hmm. Um, and so the moratorium goes into effect at some point in February, correct? I believe February 1st is when the ban on the sell, the selling of THC edibles and beverages countywide takes effect. But the city of Fergus Falls in, in the language of the moratorium states that any city government by resolution of their city council can file for exemption from that moratorium or pause on the sales provided they do X, Y, and Z. And so this is a process that has been fast-tracked from city staff because they really, really encourage the cannabis industry in, in the community and support okay. us okay. and don't want to see us stifled or thwarted in okay. any way or ha- by having to pause what is ultimately responsible for about 70% of my revenue, okay. by the way. Interesting. Okay. So you guys carry a wide variety of products currently in your retail store. Is That includes... Um, do you guys do smokable hemp flour? Yes. Okay, so smokable hemp flour concentrates, um, pre-rolls. Is this is this all accurate information yeah, yeah. here? Okay. Edibles, infused beverages, vape cartridges, yeah. and as well as selling some consumption devices. That, does that oh, yeah, smokeware and gear. Exactly. Uh, so, bath care, body care, typical, bath bombs, lotions, okay, creams, okay. all of it. So, um, and of that list I just mentioned, almost, I mean, a good chunk of those would be at risk in Correct. this ordinance. Correct. Um, like had we not been exempt as a city, okay. then we would have lost out on about 60 to 70% of our sales so revenue. So Fergus Falls, the city of Fergus Falls made an initiative to basically they say They took the initiative. So the rest of Ottertail County, they're going to have to deal with that how they by, want to by, deal by, with by, that. by city, correct. Right. Yep. And I I'm happy to hear that. I didn't understand that. I'm yeah. learning all this stuff in this conversation. Sure, here. sure. You know, I was happy to provide. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy to hear that you guys aren't like getting shut down. Yeah. You know, that's good. That's good. To well, hear. and you know, we wouldn't. Some people don't understand that part either. You know, had we not been able to file for exemption, and let's say we fell prey to this moratorium for one year period, right? Uh, we wouldn't have to shut down. We would just substantially have to shift. I would have to shift my business. You know, I would have to lay people off. I would have to adjust our hours of operation. I mean, there would be, uh, we'd still be able to sell any other product other than THC edibles and beverages. Right. Edibles and beverages containing THC are about 70% of our right. sales revenue. So, um, as well though, you guys do get into some cannabis consultations. Sure. So you guys, if someone's like looking 
um, and I, I want to get into that. Yeah. Like, consultations and education is going to be a huge part of this for this community. And there's lots of people that are um, uneducated in general about it and probably are opposed to it due to some educational factors and also some health and societal potential societal yeah. impacts as well. Yeah. But um, talk about your consultations and some of those consultation services sure. that you feel like would benefit our community and like teaching people about. Oh, yeah. Well, like, I can start by yeah. sharing with you how they already have made an impact yeah. over the last 18 months. Yeah. You know, before I went to school, while I was in school, after graduating from school, this whole time I've been conducting what I decided to call consultations. A big percentage of people that currently book them with me, and I'll get into what they sort of entail, are simply people looking to learn how to become a registered medical marijuana patient in Minnesota. People who discover we have a medical program that maybe didn't know. I help them with that process. Does Fergus... Fergus Falls does not have a medical cannabis retailer. They Correct. They, there's no Moorhead one. is the closest Moorhead's geographically the closest to one. us. Okay. Okay. Those and are governed by a company called Vireo Health. They have a national distribution. Okay. And um, that's um, you. You can't do that due to certain regulations. Oh no! Or? You have to. Yeah. You, you, not just anybody, quote unquote, can obtain a medical marijuana right. license. You have to be. Yeah, there, those, that is that industry is governed by a couple of big players, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, it's it's the Minnesota marijuana. I've been on the program since 2018 mm-hmm. as a medical patient. In fact, I'm going to the dispensary after this interview to pick mm-hmm. up my prescription. Okay. Um, I go every a couple weeks usually. Uh, we cannot do that. No. Okay. Like you, you have to have billions of dollars and certain credit. Now, and I actually know. worry. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Sure, sure. Future outlook, business future outlook, but. I have seen the rise of the cannabis industry throughout Colorado. I lived in Colorado in 2012 um, when they when it went when it went recreational, yeah. um, and it is hard for those mom and pop shops I to know. make it due to that. Um, it's going to be a corporate battle. You're going to have to fend off, you know the big drug cartels the that really um run the pharmaceutical industry they're going to be the same ones are going to be trying to drive people like you out of business Mm -hmm. so it i do hope that however um things are rolled out for legalization here in minnesota i hope that it gives um small shops a chance to establish themselves and i think that we are going to talk about that a little bit and why you're set up pretty well for that so um so as well as those consultations, you're always doing these community outreach. I, I have seen a few of these. I work in the evening, so I don't get to um, attend them. But mm-hmm. you are doing these like DIY cannabis medicine, how to do extractions. Well, yeah, and you know, to go back even to the consultation, yep. because that's just one facet, is helping people learn about how they can go about becoming a registered medical patient. Right. yeah, that's just you one. Know, con- that's one. Yep. Um, a lot of people reach out to me with issues regarding things like their adolescent teens smoking the weed. You know, they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. What do I do? They're freaking out. Okay, they're nervous, they're concerned. I've got people calling me for that. I've got people calling me who are my age or older looking for edibles or dosing recommendations, product recommendations for their elderly parents in hospice or palliative care. All kinds of different reasons. So the consultation itself is a free 30-minute phone call or visit Mm. with me that just basically charts, you know, what what can I help you with? That's a free service. That's to a free community. service. Yeah, that is that is unbelievable. Well, that's, I've I've I mean, been doing it for yeah. free for years. Yeah, that's why we that's developed good. Sugar High, yeah. a consulting first and foremost. 
Mm -hmm. And that kind of, that's what started me that it was actually an at-home consultation. This is an important thing to add to this. I did an at-home consultation for a woman my age with a 16 year old son. She caught him smoking a joint in his bedroom. He had already been on a high, a ton of pharmaceuticals for mental illnesses, SSRIs, antipsychotics, medication for stimulants for ADHD, all this stuff. I spent three hours in that home. And at one point, all three of us were crying And when I left that home, I knew that I was going to be growing and from just being the little Betty Crocker in the cannabis world to doing something way bigger and helpful for the community. Okay. And I had already been in school and I just learned, I realized I really want to be a professional in this industry. And then the rest is history and we're still unfolding and rolling out. So uh, the DIY, yeah, the community outreach workshops, presentations, you know, I've been so overwhelmingly busy with dealing with the legal stuff lately and just learning the flow of running a business. This is very new for me that I haven't had enough time to really dedicate to certain um, areas of our business model, like substance abuse prevention, Mm -hmm. veterans access. I'm a veteran myself, things like that, that that's all at part of the big picture, Mm -hmm. you know, but with all with legalization on the forefront, everything's happening so fast. What are some of those? um, What what's a typical community workshop look like? Those DIY. Yeah, I only just sessions. launched those this month, by the way. Those okay. are brand new. Right okay. now, we're only doing uh, do-it-yourself at-home cannabis extracts and workshops where I teach people how to make their own edibles okay. or how to take their flower that they access, whether it be hemp from Sugar High or another retailer or their medical marijuana from the dispensary as a patient. Right. You know, there's no law telling me I can't teach people how to make edibles. You right. know what I'm saying? You right. want to talk about loopholes, I'm about it. Okay. <laughs> So um, those have been going over really well. Right. You know, it's, it's, it, it speaks to the affordability piece of my core tenets of my business. Affordability right. is one of so, them. So um, let's then talk about your team of certified cannabis caregivers. Sure. Who's, who are your key employees that are kind of running this? You're, are you there often? Like, would they interact with you at the counter? Or who's, who's the friendly faces that are yeah. running this Oftentimes, place? they will not be interacting with me behind the counter. Um, right out of the gate, I knew exactly what I wanted to build here. I wanted to build a platform on which a few key players in the community who are passionate about cannabis could make a good living and not have to work 40 plus hours a week. That was a very specific part of my business plan for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I would be too busy doing behind the scenes work to be able to handle being there 40 hours a week, which has turned out to be true. Mm -hmm. Um, So I employ six individuals. None of them are officially full-time. They do the best they can with my allotted labor budget. Okay. Uh, uh, But there's only ever, there's only a need to have one employee on per shift right now. Um, And we've got, Stevie is my store manager. We've got, I mean, everybody's an essential employee. I've got one gal who makes a real good living already at her full-time job. Okay, in Elbow Lake that just wants to work at Sugar High because she wants to be a part of it. You know, these people are dedicated and passionate. Over the summer, I paid for all of them to attend a comprehensive online training program that through the Americans for Safe Access Foundation for marijuana. It's a nationally accredited institution uh, for them to attend the programming, do the coursework and become certified cannabis caregivers. So it was essentially kind of a condensed version of my degree where they touch on the endocannabinoid system, you know, delivery methods, consumption, all that. Okay. Okay. Cool. So then what was your guys's, you're located downtown. 
right there yeah. on Main Street. Lincoln Avenue. Um, what was in that, do you know what was in that location before you guys? Yeah, relocated? it was the former Sugar Bomb location, which there's no correlation. It's what was just a, that? So Sugar Bomb, it's really cool. My landlords, Christy and Jason Hastings, they had started a pop-up business model to teach their high school age children about how to run a business. Oh. So every summer for, I believe, three years in a row, the kids and then little high school employees that they would hire would run a candy store. That's It cool. was a candy shop that was only open in the summers okay. and Christy had reached out to me when she saw one of my Snapchat posts when I was announcing looking for a location okay. to build an office first before even a dispensary okay. I wanted office space to do my consultations and the rest is and the rest grew from there but it was a uh, it was a pop-up business location there there were other in, um, entities in and out of there the Alzheimer's Association yep. they would rent it out I mean that's an old old stretch of buildings down oh yeah i don't know how i don't know when all oh it used to be like a music store there's soundproof rooms back there it was jason hastings office he's an attorney you know yeah so when when did you first move into that building what what year i actually signed my lease on april 1st of 2022 oh okay and then so less than a year less than a year and then we got we got correct we got busy um doing the painting and sort of slow and steady i had i hired my artist brother to paint our big mural in there and we opened for business on August 22nd. Oh, so okay. all summer, I hired, I trained, we team met, you know. I mean, I prepared my staff for exactly what I wanted and expected gotcha. out of them. Gotcha. So is there anything else you want to talk about current operations before we get into the business future outlook a little bit more here? What things are going to... I mean, we already got into future outlook a little bit, but we're going to talk about that a little no, bit. No, I think we did a good job covering okay. everything that, that we offer. You know, we're open seven days a week, 10 to 8. Cool. Yeah. So business future outlook here. I just want to touch on here the... Prior to 1906, there was no federal laws in the in the united states regarding um cannabis drugs i mean at that time you had cocaine and coca-cola you had everything happening in the united states that was just unregulated at the time so we had the pure food and drug act in 1906 which first required that certain drugs including marijuana be accurately labeled with their contents that was like the first initiative Mm -hmm. step to doing something about identifying this as a thing and then um by 1914, um, the Harrison Narcotics Act, Tax Act passed, which placed federal taxes on um, opium and cocaine, but not marijuana. And then you had the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act, which effectively banned the sale and the possession of marijuana across the United States. So that was 1937. Mm-hmm. By 1942, um, the U.S. government had stopped recognizing marijuana as a medicine and removed it from the U.S. Uh, pharmacopedia. 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 Um, and then uh, 1956, the Narcotics Control Act was amended to include a mandatory minimum sentence for drug offenses, including marijuana offenses. So that was when they really started saying, "We're we have man, we're." putting people in jail for this. This is going to be something that people have to get in trouble for. And then by 1968, uh, marijuana was added to the Schedule One drug list, which is the most restrictive category, basically deeming it medically ineffective. That's that's by definition... No schedule, therapeutic no value. No therapeutic value. Yeah. That's by definition the Schedule One um, drug. And then um, it looks like... It was officially, marijuana was made officially illegal at the federal level a few years later in 1970. 
1973, Oregon became the first state to decriminalize the possession, reducing the penalty to a fine. And then um, 1996, you saw the uh, medical marijuana pop up in California. And then 2012, we had our first recreational. So that's sort of the trajectory. marijuana prohibition. I didn't mean to just, that was a lot of listing and rambling. So oh, sorry I for it. that. But, I love that. But that's where, that's sort of. The timeline. The, the hundred the hundred year history yes. of marijuana prohibition in the US and where we're at. Since twenty twelve we've had lots of states that have adopted it as yeah. well for recreational use. And it it appears twenty twenty three will likely be the year that it happens in Minnesota. I'm not I don't follow that close enough to mm-hmm. know exactly where that's headed, but it seems that that's the direction things are headed right now. Um so we talked a little bit about the ordinance. I kind of feel like we understand that. So it affects Ottawa County. Fergus has said we're going to let our town do its thing. With Perham also did. Perham also yeah, did. Yeah, other cities okay. are starting to work with their um, city councils. To get but that. I do want to talk about here some of these concerns yeah. with what it might look like um, rolling out in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, let's. I want to look at statistics from like the first two years of legalization after Colorado because mm-hmm. those are like important key times that yeah. you see the and, and numbers can lie statistics can lie you can um if you're a good analyst you can take statistics and make them tell any story you yeah. want them to tell but uh media doesn't help things either it doesn't it doesn't yeah. but um just for instance you have the colorado Depart- department of transportation reporting nearly double the amount of traffic deaths involving drivers who tested positive for marijuana mm-hmm. um that was from 2013 to 2016 so that's a really good example of what you just illustrated people doing an analyst with numbers right that is a complete situation where people are fudging the outline and outlook of the words that they're writing to make it indicative that it's because of the marijuana consumption that resulted in the fatalities. All they're stating is that the number of fatalities doubled of people who have marijuana in their system. Tested that for it. you know that 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 yep. that yep. that is not necessarily an accurate statement, and that's very misleading to the general right. public. Yeah. No, I, that's fair. That's fair. You know? That's fair. Um, but these are just some of the things, and 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 some of the things that I think people who are against the marijuana initiative moving forward in Minnesota, don't want it in our state, are concerned about those things. And and I got to say this a little bit too. Well, and and that's a conversation that I love to have is the impaired driving because here, and you you speak, we speak about the need for education. And you mentioned already that I have had the foresight to already do these things of my own volition because you know, I created my business model long before any of this narrative took place in our community. I did these things right. because I care about education. Here's a great opportunity to learn a piece of education. Impaired driving, not a thing with cannabis. And the reality is because we don't have cannabinoid receptors in our brain stems, which no, operate. Well, I, I'm not, I, that, that, no, if we're getting into it, this yeah. is this is educational piece that people aren't aware of. It's well, not an opinion. Here's the thing. We are I not impaired. People, Motor function is not impaired by THC. Hmm. It's impaired psychologically and but psychoactively. That, that, that absolutely affects people's ability to operate. It's subjective like consumer to consumer. Absolutely. It Everybody is. It responds absolutely is. to it, cannabis it, it, differently. And, and you hit on that there because somebody who is a heavy consumer of cannabis, yep. somebody who's a daily user can smoke cannabis, yep. operate a machine, live their life, be focused, do this or that. But to someone who 
maybe reacts to that different or yep. isn't a user, they may smoke, take one hit and be completely wrecked to the point where psychologically they are shaking and cannot operate a vehicle. Those people don't operate vehicles, Jacob. Those people don't drive. This is right. what people no, don't saying. understand. But, but, I, but, you know, right. But it's, it's, it's worth noting. I don't think it's worth dismissing completely and i don't into, i don't also, mean, i don't this mean to town dismiss this it. town this town has a big problem I know. with drinking and driving yes and our county and, and that's something that in my opinion is a lot more dangerous of course but of course. i don't want to say one is you know we need to address that if we're going to roll this out in society, that needs to be one of the things. I agree with that. Now that then that's a good opportunity to, again, just remind our listeners here. There are no CB receptors in our brainstem. Therefore, no cannabinoid that we put into our body will impair our motor function. Alcohol responds to receptors in our brainstems that cause blackouts and motor and cognitive impairment, which is why alcohol consumption with driving is regulated. This is the same narrative that could be used to under or try and understand or question. What about people who take medications every day? Do you expect people who take their morning Valium or Xanax or their antidepressant? All of these drugs have psychoactive effects. Mm. Right now, people who are stigmatized to the cannabis, what I feel is they're grasping. They're Mm. reaching at all these reasons why we shouldn't do it. What should we worry about? When in reality, it's education. You need to understand the physiology of our endocannabinoid system. Most people don't. That's why we're here. I don't. That's why we're here to share, to be the messengers. I do want to talk about that because the next stat is along the lines of marijuana related to mental health. Specifically, the increase in... um, the increase in emergency room visits for marijuana-related marijuana-related instances. Yeah. So you have a 34% increase in the two years following legalization in Colorado with people showing up saying, I'm, I'm too dying. high, I don't know what to do, help me. Yeah. And not only that, I also want to talk about how it affects mental health. Yeah. Um, is heavy cannabis use in your adolescent years linked to mental health issues down the road. I know that there, I don't know, I can't cite cite specific um, instances or articles, but I know that that there's lots of studies that have been done about its link um, to people who, you know, depression and anxiety, um, schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. What, I guess, is the best way to approach how that affects different people's mental health. That's a big concern yeah, as well. It's huge and it's a, understandably so. And and I mean, of course, I've spent so much time pondering and considering these and, and considering this and discussing this. And usually what it always comes back to is this. Yeah, cannabis is not going to be for everybody. It's too new and novel to really uh, we, we, here's the problem because cannabis is federally illegal, that puts significant implications and limitations rather on our ability to clinically study and research it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of cannabis medical jargon is anecdotal, but the bottom line is that what we're really talking about here is access. I will never 
insinuate that marijuana or any cannabinoid will cure any condition. I would never. I'm not even legally allowed to, but I would never fundamentally. Um, are there implications for early adolescent like smoking of the ganja every day, all day? Probably. We don't know yet. It's too new. This is really new. You know, it, it, you, you talked about the 1937 Tax Act. Yeah. It's only been less than 100 years since cannabis was outlawed and prohibited. Mm-hmm. You know, do you know prior to the 1930s, cannabis tincture, rather tincture of cannabis, which is an ethyl alcohol extract, which I teach people how to make at home, was the number one most commonly prescribed medication in the United States by physicians with over 3 million written a year. The 1937 Tax Act was driven 100% by politics. A self-proclaimed bigot racist, Henry Anslinger. It's in the history books, dude. You just got to look it up. It's all politically driven. If there are concerns about medical, uh, uh, mental health issues, yes, they're valid. But I personally, as a business owner in the community, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. What I want is to share information and foster and encourage right. and nurture a person's ability to medicate in a safer right. way. Well, and, and that comes back to if we want to understand the effects of what it does to the human body and how it affects us, step one, it needs to be removed from the schedule one. We need to be list. able legally to study it. Until it's removed from the schedule one, and until they're willing to admit that it may possess medical properties or alternative or alternative exactly. medicine until that happens you're going to be fighting that battle so i don't know what that's going to look like if that's going to happen in one foul swoop with a nationwide thing i don't know biden has already brought it to the public's i mean it's been brought to his desk the 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 the, the murmur of declassifying marijuana right i know that that's, we'll see what yeah. happens but... and, and I'll be honest, I don't want to get this show. This is probably going to be, hopefully, this is the most political that this podcast ever gets. I don't want to get political. It comes with the territory. It's not not my intention with this. This is a business podcast. This is about how your business is operating in our community. It's not necessarily about this nationwide, sure. Minnesota-wide drug initiative. This drug war on drugs or, or, or whatever, whatever. It's, I love it's, that. It's not about that. Yeah. So I want to bring that in and say sure. we are about forward-looking your business here. Yeah. Um, what, I guess, future products... Yeah. Before, one more, one more thing. Let's talk about... One more statistic out of Colorado yeah. before we move on to future. Well, because if, if you would, could I touch on the increased ER visits? Yes. Because this is something that I talk about frequently, actually, and think about. And almost, I mean, it's uh, first and foremost, I would like to state, yeah, that is a feeling that is very real. It's a fear and a panic. What we're talking about here is an overconsumption or an overdose of THC. Okay. That's what's resulting in the increase in emergency room visits. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, Usually every couple few months, I myself will experience an adverse reaction to THC, whether it's a new product, um, a new a dose, uh, a, 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 a less responsible dose. So okay. now I just want to touch on that too. It is so variable from person to person. Absolutely. I mean, I, um, I, I lived out in Colorado. I consumed a, yeah. a decent amount of cannabis products throughout my 20s. Um, I ate, I can eat one of these little 10 milligram edibles or whatever yeah. from Colorado and they chill me out just fine. Um, I gave my ex fiance a bite of one of those and she was up all night about losing her mind, freaking out, having like the biggest panic attack 
of her life yes. because of one little bite of it. So the variable effects from consumer to consumer are drastic. Well, and especially when we're talking about edibles here. Edibles, which we're talking gummies, cookies, brownies, you know, the old pop brownie, beverages, any product that you consume orally that makes its way through our GI tract into our livers, that's what we're talking about with the increased ER visits. Nobody could smoke enough herb in the world to result in them going to the emergency room, just so we're clear. It would be very unlikely. I won't state that it can't happen. It would be very unlikely. But With edibles, what happens in our right. liver is the THC converts through metabolization into a different compound entirely that is two to three times as psychoactive mm -hmm. as just THC. So that's worth talking about. We're also... Education, since, education. Well, since 19, you know? so let's let's go back to 1968 when mar marijuana became a Schedule One drug. Yes, we have a different marijuana now. Absolutely, we do. Out in Colorado, they're making marijuana that what back in the 60s and 70s was probably the, the content of THC was probably closer to the low teens. Whereas now we're like pushing 30, 20 to 30, 30 percent with some of these 30. products, yeah. as well as figuring out ways you teach concentrates concentrate let's make it let's concentrate it let's make it even yeah. more people don't potent. even know what that means you know, they don't like, even let's, know what it means. let's change this even more so like the further you synthesize and get away from what it a whole was flower plant uh that naturally growing medicine that was here for the planet if you want to call it that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um you start to change the effects major, major effects that it has on people. Manipulation so, by man. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's one of the things that I... Um, you know, money is driving that, by the yeah. way. Money is driving the increased THC concentrations yeah. and percentages because they're realizing, well, with advancements in technology, come more opportunity to make that almighty dollar. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So let's touch on this one more statistic. The number of marijuana-related school expulsions has increased in Colorado. According to the data from the Colorado Department of Education, the number of marijuana-related expulsions increased by 45% in the two years following legalization. Kids are coming to school with weed. That's a problem. Well, or what's happening is that they're expelling kids now because they have a legal basis from which to expel them. I also, for the record, I'm an expelled student from high school as well. That had nothing to do with marijuana. I just find that interesting. But I have never been brought, I have never, I mean, that is so arbitrary and subjective. Not arbitrary. That's so subjective. I mean, what's the implication here? That because weed is legal in Colorado, that kids are getting into their parents' stash, which is happening. Okay, parents do better. Thank you. Do better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, would you leave your Oxycontin? accessible to your children we're talking about a psychoactive substance here maybe you use it recreationally maybe you use it medicinally keep that shit away from your kids you know it's on the parent you know mm -hmm. this expulsion i mean is it new protocol that's been imposed by academic institutions because of legalization is it i mean it's so subjective and then the media is like making these statements and releasing these headlines and it's like yes i'm not trying to dismiss validity or concern the reason why I am doing what I'm doing right now is because of the concern and importance 
I think needs to be placed on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You yeah. know that. This yeah, is not a fight. It's no, not I a do. debate. It's I do. Just, I just, that sort of stuff really just kind of runs me the wrong way. It's like, okay, but like I could do that. But, I, you but know. to be honest, if you're going to operate your business in this town, oh, yeah. you need to be able to have these conversations. I'm glad with, that we're having With them. anyone who wants to have these conversations because people are going to want to talk about that. People are going to want to talk about impaired driving. Yes. People are going to want to talk about its effect on mental health, the mm-hmm. scars this community has. People are going to want to know everything about how marijuana affects people's mental health yeah. regardless you know those studies need to happen people need to have those conversations and those answers those right. tough conversations so well and it is, I, and I do and I'm really grateful for this opportunity to even ha- to even right. start having those conversations yep. because it's true that those conversations sometimes get buried for me because of just the sheer you know volume of the the workload piling up being in the industry it is exhausting yeah. being in this industry I can imagine. mentally you know, and you want to talk about mental health implications. It's like, yeah, you know, it, it, it is, there are syndromes that people can develop from smoking too much weed. You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting because like, I don't even do that. Like I don't mm-hmm. smoke marijuana. Mm-hmm. I make and eat edibles primarily or vape sometimes, you know, but everybody is different. And that's for my diagnoses. That's what helps me the most. But at the end of the day, you're right. We need to have these conversations, but you know, to, to, to be very clear and transparent, as a representative of my company and business and what we are growing into, which I would love to talk about the future business, yeah, you know, yeah. as I, I would like to be very candid with any listener and, and just state that it's really all about more than any of that. It's about the choice and the freedom, you know, yes, regulations are good. Regulations are good for the business owner for protection. Fundamentally, Potato, potato, man. Right. You know, I'm a firm believer that we, uh, again, not to, get, not, not to get too political, but the libertarian in me is about to come out. All right. So we have enough regulations at the federal level. We're about to settle those regulations surrounding this industry at the state level. Why should we as a county, we as a state, why should we restrict our local area's ability to take advantage of the economic impact that this is going to have on on our state. If we decide to go a different direction here in Ottertail County or here in Fergus Falls, if we decide we don't want to sell these products or we want to limit the sale or the growth of this industry, guess what? People are going to drive to Moorhead. Yeah. People are going to drive to, to Alexandria. Other Walker, counties. Whatever. Yeah. Wherever they need to go, they're gonna they're gonna go there. That um, revenue will go to our neighboring I counties. I would. I would. I would like to see people like Emily who have a background in it, a knowledge in this, a a passion to um, educate people or, you know. And the stigma. And the stigma. Um, There's a lot of things that need to happen in this this county. but, But more importantly, from an economic standpoint, I think that we just need to let business run free in our county and place... People fill out enough forms to to get, operate a business on a federal and state level. Like, let's not fill out more forms and let's not slap more regulations on top of business. And if I here. could, if I could contribute, because <laughs> thank you, Amen. I agree. Okay, it, it, it's this is part of why I was kind of rubbed the wrong way by Ottertail County Public Health's imposition. You know, it's like it's sort of insulting to me. Like you're you're. 
Public safety, I care about that. Yeah. Education, I really care about that. Mm. Have you ever come into my store or reached out to me to ask these questions? No, it's just the fear mongering and panic mongering. Mm-hmm. This is why it's 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 insulting to me because of all these things, well, you know? Well, and the thing is, though, you... We don't need more red tape. You're right. But we need conversations. We need... We I, I really am a little like... That's kind of a bummer. No one... So they put together this whole ordinance and no one reached out to you or anyone else. To, no one to ever made a phone call. I know there visit. was some uh, there was some public hearings and stuff about I it. I was very disappointed at that um, public hearing. But uh, regardless, though, you're you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, you chose this path. You chose this industry in here in this county, in this state. You if you didn't know what you were getting yourself into, I don't know what to tell you. You know, like I you wouldn't knew, still be here. You knew it was happening. I wouldn't so. be here. I wouldn't be standing. No, <laughs> but, you're right. So let's get into growth opportunities first. Yeah. First and foremost, let's just assume we see some type of legal marijuana initiative, THC, higher t- content, not hemp derivative, but we're talking actual marijuana, THC, um, yeah. legalized here in Minnesota. What is the path? You don't know until the bill passes what your path to well, regulation. I have a good, I have a good, out, uh, a good uh, roadmap to go on because I, to go back to something you brought up earlier, the currently proposed Minnesota legalization bill that's going through the House and now at the Senate, it is one of the most comprehensive and good for the small business owner bills I've ever seen regarding cannabis. Um, I've read through almost all three hundred pages of it. Okay, I actually sit on the board of directors for the Minnesota Cannabis Association, chairing the retail sector. Okay, okay. Um, so with all the all of the things going on with hemp versus marijuana, Minnesota is sort of a unique state because of the legislation that was signed in in July, which you called like a loophole thing. It it was wasn't a loophole as much as it was a misunderstanding okay. by the legislators. Okay, um, but the currently written out bill is very, very much promotes vertical integration and the ability to uh, not be in a state that is run by a couple of big corporate players who have billions of dollars and access to capital. So the way they wrote it in the language promotes and fosters mom and pop small business entrepreneurs to get into the industry. That said, there are other implications with the current bill. There are things that hurt the hemp industry. Let's say the industries that are hemp only that have no interest in incorporating marijuana. There's licensing implications, uh, uh, barriers with like uh, capital. I mean, the costs, associated fees, Um, the 280E, the federal tax form that prevents your ability to use uh, write-off because of the federal status. Hmm. There's a lot of layers and complexities here. However, what I think the community will want to hear is that... Fortunately, I and my business partner meet criteria to be fast-tracked for permitting as soon as it's available. What's going to probably happen, again, hypothetical, assuming everything blows through the way it's currently written. Mm -hmm. You know, written into law in 2023, things happen. By 24, we're able to start retail sales, right? Permits, access, all that. Uh, There are certain criteria laid out that are going to promote people who have been adversely impacted to be fast tracked for the license, their criteria are well. One of them, one of them is the the cost. Okay, that's a barrier, right? The other criteria are be a minority owned business, and my business partner is a minority. Okay. Uh, Woman owned business. Both of us meet that criteria. Veteran owned. I meet that criteria. 
And if you have any marijuana charges on your criminal record, you are fast-tracked for permitting, and I do, okay. from 2009. Gotcha. So the city of Fergus Falls, just know that while it, it might take other businesses that are looking to get into the industry, or maybe they already are with, like, hemp, like, doing what we can with the, mm-hmm. you know... Um, it's going to take, it might take an awful lot longer. And so we feel we are well poised currently with the narr- the, the language in okay. the Bipro's bill for fast-tracked licensing, which means that our community won't have to wait at all. Interesting. Very interesting that uh, that bill focuses on a aspect that is actively trying to keep it from getting corp like taken over by corporations because minnesota loves the small business it's interesting i like that um so talk about how your products and services would change you don't really know much about that we don't know until we see the finalized bill but we're going to go on a hypothetical here a scenario an assumption as well Uh, and and to be clear as well from the get-go I, I've never anticipated permanently operating a hemp-only dispensary, which is why I didn't call my business a hemp dispensary, which caused a lot of confusion, granted. Okay. Yes. Uh, when you hear like a lot can- of, cannabis dispensary, well, well people hear People hear bit. cannabis yep. and they yep. think marijuana. That's yep. exactly. not true. They hear dispensary and they think marijuana. That's not true. Exactly. That, you know, but anyway, but that is why. But you did, branded with the future in mind. Of course. And yep. I took on my business partners when they approached me with the future in mind of, right. you know, streamlined access, you know, partnership, uh, LLC, like, you know, like making it, just making it for... You know, at the risk of sounding really vulnerable and like naive, like I don't know what I'm doing here. I've never <laughs> run a business before. I've run my <laughs> own businesses. I've never employed other people. Okay. Like it is so hard sometimes, you yeah. know, and and being in, in in an already challenging industry, it's hard in and of itself just running a business, you know. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been very right. challenging. So we're, by the way, we're rambling here. We've. Oh, yeah. I knew I was going to have to reel you in because I, I love I love it though you you have no problem producing content I love it but we're almost we're almost at an hour here so I don't want these things to go much past an hour but it's totally cool if they do we're having good conversation I don't want to I don't want to cut anything off of this conversation but so you're more or less the future would look like being able to go in there get all these products you already have hemp derived except for they would be. Yeah, or some combination of both. And also, the way you're currently set up, you have your cottage baker's license, but you can't sell your homemade products. Those are for your personal consumption at the moment. Um, You can't sell those at your store. You're selling these hemp-derived products that are made by other producers, correct? Absolutely. So the future is more likely going to involve, I don't know what the bill stated, maybe you know, mm-hmm. regarding the separation between being a retailer, being a um, producer or manufacturer. Yeah. So yeah. Is, are those going to be separate? They are. The, bill, separate the current language it is. It's okay. separate permitting. I mean, there is one overarching license, which is the real expensive one, and mm-hmm. then there's separate micro permits. So would your goal then to be on the both sides of that? My ultimate goal, yeah, is to make cannabis edibles legally with marijuana. That's what I want to do. Yep. Now, if I'm doing that for retail sale in a private label in my dispensary, I don't know. I, I'd get too crazy and overwhelmed when I think that far ahead in the future. Right. But Especially my coming from someone, coming from someone who you said this is your first business venture. Yep. Like, it's got to be so overwhelming. I'm thinking about starting a business myself, um, but 
the amount of regulations, it's scary. Even the taxes, a basic taxes, regulations. They make it a, really hard for the small business owner it's scary. to profit. It's scary to think about going into business and then especially an industry like the cannabis industry where there's going to just, you're going to have to jump through hoops every, constantly. Your whole job is going to be constantly jumping through hoops if you're going to um, run it and make it. So I really have to touch on what you just said though because yep. it's important. I want yep. the, I also want yep. people to, re- to know that um, yeah, breaking out into the manufacturing sector is absolutely something that I want to do with my role in my business, Sugar High. So with that rebranding, I haven't been making um, cottage food edibles in my home for over a year okay. for the public. And right. like I used to do pop-up bakeries and everything. So I would make like CBD, Delta 8, whatever I could from home, CBG sometimes, gummies, cookies. I would have pop-up bakeries. Uh, you haven't been allowed to do that in Minnesota since August of 2022. They amended the language. So when I want to start making hemp-derived edibles and branding and packaging them for Sugar High, there is something in our city code about zoning. So it has to be in a business, an industrial zone. So my um, contact at Greater Fergus Falls, we're already casing locations for that. So we are going to break out into that, but there are a lot of unknowns yet with the legalization. So Okay. So... How can people get involved? How can people get a hold of you now? These talk about like any upcoming workshops or anything you have going on. Yeah, so we're perpetually in and out of Facebook jail, unfortunately. Really? Um, I just violated again yesterday by trying to advertise that we were closing two hours early for a monthly staff meeting because okay. it had our logo on my flyer. So okay. the cannabis leaf, it's a problem, a constant struggle. We advertise on Instagram pretty safely. I use my personal Snapchat pretty consistently. Um, I directly communicate with customers. I give them access to my number, phone number. People can reach out. Uh-huh. I do the best I can. Um, we have a website. I'm about to get working on my email newsletter. Okay. So that's going to be a big communication channel as well going gotcha. forward. Gotcha. Facebook's tough. They They don't want... Is that a nationwide Facebook? Yeah, thing? Yeah, it's their AI. Okay. The L- they, yep. they they go That's in. They, they they see they see the cannabis leaf and they assume I'm trying to sell regulated goods. Is what right, happens. Right, right. Okay. Um. This is a fun one now from a new business owner. Give me your best business advice for the people out there. General business advice. Yeah. Best business advice. Or cannabis-related business advice, but business advice. Well, it's actually not going to be cannabis-related, but I'm going to tie it into it because I know that I am inclined and savvy with running businesses. I've run many of my own. Never been a brick-and-mortar owner or employed other people. But I have also worked in the service industry my entire adult life. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what. You know what? Despite all of the technological growth and advancements, all the different platforms that we can use to communicate with people or our customers, all this and that, still at the end of the day, I guess if I'm doling out advice here, it would be never forget the importance and value of good customer service. We are living in a society now that unfortunately, for whatever, a whole slew of degrading reasons, I feel very sad about it sometimes. It's like, you know, whatever happened to just the smile and the kindness, the connection with humans, not all from a screen, not all from, you know what I mean? Customer service will break or make you as a business owner. And I put a lot of value and emphasis on that by way of employee of the month, incentives, Mm -hmm. bonuses, that's good. I 
I love that. That's a good one. Um, it's never going to go out of style, man. Yeah, customer service is important. You got to be the nice. Most important you got to be communicative. Absolutely. Customer service so, matters. Um, how about biggest mistake you've made that you wish you would have avoided thus far? Hopefully, nothing pertaining to cannabis. Okay. You know, uh, as a business owner, you know, uh, let's see what I'm comfortable sharing. You know. And again, I have no problem being vulnerable either because I'm just really, everybody knows how I am in this town. Um, I wish in hindsight that I wouldn't have made so many promises to um, the community as far as the rapidity of when projects are available. Like I bite off more than I can chew sometimes, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I wish that I would have remembered to be a little bit even more slow and steady when the you need to you need to under promise and over perform. Thank you. That's that's what you're looking for, right? I'm not good at that. (laughs) I'll overperform every time regardless, but I'll also overpromise and then I'll get the burnout. Absolutely. Orchestrating all of this with my recovery, dude, it really is a challenge every day. You know, I mean, it's there's a lot going on, and right now. What I have to do is remind myself that I'm working really hard right now so that in not too terribly long, I can work a little bit less hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah. going to hustle for my 40s mm-hmm. and then hopefully things can take a different direction, right. you know, and I will always, I do feel 100% that for the remaining years that I'm in this body and in this life and in this community, I will be... I will be in the cannabis industry, mm-hmm. you know? And so right now I just want to work on building a platform and curating and branding mm-hmm. and, and, and educating and showing people that we're just a regular business owner, man. Yeah. We're helping people. You don't have to come if you don't want to, right. but you know, I mean, <laughs> regulating is great. You know, it's protection. It's, you know, do I sometimes think it's over-regulation? Yes, but I will concede in that regard because I know to pick my battles. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I just, I, that's what I really want people to know. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you f- so much yeah, for having thank me. You for, thank you for taking your time. If you've been listening to the podcast so far, you know Fergus Falls has a tattoo shop. You know we play live music. You now know we have an aspiring cannabis connoisseur. This town sounds pretty great, if I'm being <laughs> honest. It sounds like a pretty great town. So we're gonna get It into, is a great town. We're going to get into a lot of other businesses. I have um, later this week... I'm talking with Greater Fergus Falls, Nataya Bauman. I think that's how you say your name, Nataya. Um, just about everything they have going on at the Economic Development Center, I think is what that's called. I don't. I learn. We're going to learn about Greater Fergus Falls and the Foundry and everything they have going on there. So, Greater Fergus Falls. I'm going to do a little plug here. We're instrumental in in where I'm at with my business right okay. now. I read. I utilized their free entrepreneur resources okay. through some of their workshops and such. Uh, it's because of the one-on-one entrepreneur consulting services I took advantage of that they offered to me for free that I decided to go from my original thought, which was to start a nonprofit organization, mm. to a for-profit business. Right. Beth Priday is her name. She was She's a consultant okay. for Greater Fergus Falls. Okay. Everything changed when I met with Beth. And so I'm awesome. so forever grateful for Greater Fergus Falls. Yeah, I'm excited for that conversation and, and get into just talking about what they have going on, how people can get involved in building a business through them and mm-hmm. what the future of the economy and building a business looks like in Fergus Falls. So come back for that episode. Um, if you guys want to reach out to me to get on the show, we've got the Facebook page going, Fergus Falls Business Spotlight Facebook page as well as the email ffbs 
podcast at gmail.com. So that'll all be in the show description. I'll make sure to get some type of contact information for Emily in the show description as well. So thank you guys very much. We went a little over an hour. It was nice and long. We had some good conversation, but I hope this stirs up a little conversation within the community and, um, don't be afraid to reach out to Emily if you guys have questions or concerns or if somebody on the opposition level ever wanted to, I don't want to be a political podcast, but I would sit you guys down on the microphone and let you guys have a conversation about the concerns or what the best way to move forward. And, you know, I don't know. That's what public hearings at the city council are supposed to be for, you know, but we need to have those good conversations wherever we can have them. So I don't know. We'll see what happens in the future, but thank you very much, Emily. Thank you very much. Have a good, have a good week, everybody. We'll be back. (laughs) 